Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by LakeLink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by Huntworth Gear, performance camel wear at a price you can afford, huntworthgear.com. And by Ducks Unlimited, the world's leader in wetlands conservation. Now a proud sponsor of Outdoors Radio and always a supporter of duck hunters everywhere at ducks.org. I'm Dan Small, and today author and activist Ted Ralsey tells us how we're loving our lakes to death. Sue Berg talks about her latest books in the Driftless Mystery series, and we'll get some holiday gift ideas from Mark Boardman of Wisconsin-based Vortex Optics. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio, so stay right there. It's time now for Madison Outdoors. You hear this feature every week at this time on WTSO, the Big 1070, and on our podcast anytime at all on Lakelink, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And joining us once again from DNS Bait, Tackle, and Fly Shop on Madison's northeast side is Pat Hasberg. Well, Pat, thanks for joining us, and welcome back. Hey, thanks, Dan. Always a pleasure. We were talking a couple weeks ago about the possibility of ice fishing, and in fact, some people were out, and you said you were out there on Cherokee Marsh yourself, but things have changed, right? That's right. So we had some ice before Thanksgiving that then disappeared around Thanksgiving, and then it locked back up on Cherokee up here, which is, for folks that aren't familiar, the shallowest water that uh, ices up first here in the in the area, and that locked up again. I never once would have said that the ice was safe, but if you're paying attention and watching where you're walking, it, it was fishable, and folks were getting some nice gills. I was out there Sunday this last week and got some nice gills, but one person went through while I was out there, then that next day, three more people went through, and the day after that, three more people went through, and everybody's fine but the good news about Cherokee is that the water's shallow there so you know you're up to your chest at the deepest water you can find so and now we got rain and it's definitely not safe anymore but hopefully this cold weather they're predicting after the weekend should lock things back up for us yeah well I hope so Uh, gosh uh, one goes through then three and then three more I guess people are slow learners or they think well I must be lighter than that other guy I don't know well, you know, I I could make assumptions about what what's going through people's heads all day long, but I, I think really what it comes down to is people are excited to get out on the ice, and I definitely understand that. But the folks that I, I believe are going through are the ones that are maybe from out of town. They come out here, they park their car, they see folks on the ice, and they just kind of make a beeline right for the anglers, and they're walking across water that was open water just a couple days earlier and, and they don't realize that you got to stay where there's tracks and where you see people fishing and venturing outside of those areas it can be risky and you know as, as a local who checks the water up there every other day or so i'm in tune with what's going on but if, if you're not paying attention you can get yourself in trouble real quick so the smartest thing somebody who might be hearing this uh, and is thinking of coming and ice fishing uh, on mendota or cherokee marsh or any of the lakes smartest thing for them to do would be to check with you. So I don't know who else is that close and has a finger on the pulse of what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, you could call any of any of the bait shops here in town, but yeah, if you give us a call here at the shop, we're happy to let people know. I turned a lot of people away that were calling from down in Illinois and, and, and looking to get up here. And, but, you know, they're, they're talking about making a, a three-hour drive in some cases to come up here and fish and telling them, 
you know, it's just not worth it for a couple of gills and sketchy ice. You'd almost need somebody out there with you to say, okay, you can walk out this path, don't leave these tracks, just stay in this small area, and you'll be fine. But also, you know, it weighs on me as the shop owner if I'm telling people, hey, come up to Madison and Fish Cherokee Marsh, we got ice. And then somebody goes through because I told them that if ice was good, I'd rather sleep at night than uh, have to worry about folks going through because of something I told them. Well, and then if you basically err on the side of being conservative and truthful about what's going on there, you have more people come back and say, okay, he steered me right the last time. I'm going to trust Pat again. That's right. I mean, that's really what keeps local shops in business is that local knowledge. And I'm not here to jerk people around and, and try to get them you know, to buy stuff or to go fishing for things that aren't biting. I just want to tell people what I know and what I hear, and they can take it from there as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. All right. Well, so what advice do you have? Obviously, don't go out right now, but what do you yeah. tell them? I make it very clear that I'm officially not recommending that folks go out on the ice, but people are obviously going to make their own decisions. Uh, but I, I'll tell them that there are people fishing it. I think there's a fine line between bravery and stupidity uh, is also what I tell folks. It's up to them if they want to risk it. I told you, I'm, I, you know, I've been out there myself, but I, I'm very confident in the ice conditions, and I, I'm, I look at it every day, and I know what, what's going on. But I, I welcome people to come up here and give it a shot if they want, but it's not something I'm fully promoting at this point. Got it. But there is some open water fishing going on, I understand. That's right. The musky folks around town are still doing well, having some good musky action around town, and the walleye bite up here has been really great from shore, both on Lake Mendota and Lake Monona. Mostly, that's mostly a night bite, but um, those walleyes are, you know, bulking up for, for winter here. They're definitely accessible from shore, and, and you know, you can get them from a boat. The, the only problem is all of our launches around town, most of our launches, I should say, don't have piers in right now, so it's a little tricky launching a boat, but uh, shore anglers are doing great at night around town here. How are they fishing? Are they casting? Are they soaking minnows? What are they doing? Uh, a little bit of both, but I'd say most of the anglers I talk to are casting either jerk baits or swim baits. You know, your husky jerks are a popular option. Floating rapalas are another good option. And then just any kind of a white, a light-colored paddle tail minnow imitation plastic has been uh, really good working those slowly near the shore has been really great for folks. All right. Any panfish action then? There's a little bit of panfish action going on down the south end of Lake Monona. We have the area down there called the Triangles and Monona Bay, very, very popular ice fishing spot. But those fish are moved in there and, and ready for ice. And folks are catching them in open water with, you know, little ice jigs, just like you would through the ice. And, and uh, that's been a, a pretty good bite, both for crappies and bluegills down there. Uh, you mentioned that most of the piers are have been taken up. Are there any launches that have piers? There is a launch still at Babcock Park on Lake Wabisa. It's on the south end of Lake Wabisa in the city of McFarland. They have a launch that they leave in there right up until ice up, and that's a, that's a county-run launch. The, the city has pulled all of their launches here in the, the city of Madison, but that's a county-run launch down there. So folks can still launch out of there. And if you launch out of Wabisa, you can tool your way up into Monona, too, into Lake Monona, so you have access there. The locks are closed, connecting Monona and Mendota, though, so there's no launches that I know of available on Mendota right now. All right, but you can get on Wabisa and go all the way up to Monona if you want to do that. That's right. Well, Pat, before we let you go, your hours? We are open 
six every day, and we're just hoping for some ice here, and we should be should be rocking and rolling. We got all our ice stuff out and, and ready to go. And you also do your Friday fishing report every every Friday. You post that on your Facebook page, right? Yep, we post it on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, on our website, and then I also do the good old-fashioned phone report that Gene did for many years, and that phone number is 608-BIG-FISH, if folks want to give that a call. All right. Well, Pat, thanks so much. We will send people to your Facebook page, which is DS Bait. DS Bait Tackle Fly Shop. Okay, and you gave the phone number, so um, folks, there are links to all the things that we mentioned on Pat's website, which is dsbait.com. Well, Pat, thanks so much, and uh, if I don't talk to you before, Merry Christmas to you. Same to you, Dan. Always a pleasure. And everybody, stay on top and think ice. All right. Pat Hasberg with the Madison Outdoors Report. He has uh, a weekly report on his Facebook page and links to that at, at his website, dsbait. And his shop, DS Bait Tackle and Fly Shop, is on Northport Drive on Madison's northeast side. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. We at Remy Battery Company want to thank all of our customers and friends we have made over the past 90-plus years and your continued support of our local, family-owned company. Stop in and see the expertise of over nine decades of battery knowledge and customer service. Let us take care of the batteries for all of your needs, from power tools to sump pumps and ATVs to hunting decoys, even down to the smallest hearing aids. Big and small, we have them all. Stop in for a free battery and electrical check before you hit the road, trails, or waters. Don't forget to ask your sales representatives about volume pricing. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. If you're ever in a motor vehicle accident, call Hupe and Abraham, named Best Personal Injury Law Firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupe and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. In fact, they collect millions of dollars every month for hundreds of satisfied clients. So call the firm voted best and rated best, Hupe and Abraham, 800-800-5678, or visit Hupe.com. And all 11 offices of Hupe and Abraham are open for business. And as we have been saying the last few weeks now, Michael Hupe, who is the president of Milwaukee Crime Stoppers, is offering a $25,000 reward for the next anonymous tip that solves a homicide case. So if you've got such a tip on an unsolved homicide case, visit MilwaukeeCrimeStoppers.com. Well, joining me again from Wisconsin Rapids, a little snow up there, uh, like down here, Jeff Kelm. So how much snow did you get, Jeff? Uh, I would say maybe five inches or so. It's the heavy, wet stuff, though. Not a lot of fun to uh, to move around. Yeah, we got about that much on, what day was it? Wednesday. 
Wednesday night, kind of all, it, it rained all day and then it pretty much snowed all night. So, yeah. Um, any more hunting on your end? You know, we, we tried to, uh, we got out for the, the antlerless hunt for a couple of days, but, uh, we did not see anything, um, during those, uh, during those sits and, you know, that's okay. Uh, you know, we talked about it before. I'm in no need of venison. Uh, but, uh, the opportunity to get Robert out and, and he wanted to, to try. He had some, some, uh, plans with the, the, if we had, uh, scored another, uh, doe, what he was going to do with them. And I think overall, we're still going to do some, uh, donating a meat to some folks that could certainly use it. And, uh, that way it doesn't go to waste in any sort. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe we get out and do some holiday hunt. Uh, we're not too far away from, uh, like Washera County and stuff like that, where I do have some tags. Uh, we may sit for maybe a day or two, uh, but that's all public land. And so that's a whole different uh, experience uh, for him as well, where we're not going to be uh, in a nice uh, closed up, you know, maybe maybe a pop up blind, uh, perhaps, you know, got to have the, the blaze orange on it and all. But otherwise, I think we might just uh, you know, grab some chairs and sit sit against a tree or some logs or something. That'd be a good experience for him as well, for sure. He's not discouraged now after all his success early and now nothing during the antlerless season. No, not at all. No, he, he's, uh, you know, he enjoys the time. Um, he enjoys, uh, I think, getting away from his sister a little bit, you know, those those types of things. He, he's found uh, fulfillment in, in just the, the sit for right now. Well, that's good. And, yeah, I found fulfillment in just the sit <laughs> for the four-day antlerless. I went up on Wednesday evening, hunted all four days. Um, what day did it snow? Saturday it snowed all day. I sat in a blind for 10 hours. I have never done that, I don't think. Never saw hmm. a thing. And uh, Friday we did actually have a successful uh, hunt in, in that John said, you know, let's approach our land from a, from different sides this time. We always go in the same place. We walk into our blinds, our stands, wherever we're hunting, and the deer, if they pay attention to that, they know where we're coming. They can sneak out the other end. Mm -hmm. So we came at it from three different sides. We had an east wind, and uh, John still hunted to a stand, and I just kind of walked slowly into a blind. Um, we were probably a quarter mile apart, and I no sooner got settled in the blind than I hear him shoot. And what had happened, apparently, I bumped a doe and two fawns, and uh, they ran right toward him and stopped. He shot the doe, and the fawns ran off, and, and that was cool. And then Sunday, I tried to, uh, we hunted a, a friend's property and did not see anything. Ozzie and I did. And uh, then John sends me a text, well, those fawns are back. They were at the trailhead at 7.02, and we were just getting ready to hunt in the, the friend's place. So... We went back to our spot, and I followed the tracks as he, as he sneaked out, out around and got into the blind, and I should have given the tracks a little wider berth. Uh, I was pretty much on the track. I came up to their beds on a knoll. They had seen or winded me, and they blew out south onto the neighbor's property, so we never saw them. Um, but I did have one close encounter, or should have had a close encounter, on the first morning. 
you know, you sit for a few hours, especially an old guy like me, you have to get up and relieve yourself. And I had just done that, and I'm about to sit down, and I, oh, there's a flash of brown out of the corner of my eye, and uh, I got the scope up. The deer was already in the woods, so I didn't really have a clean look at it. Never could see whether it was a buck or doe. It was all alone, good-sized deer, so I'm hoping it was a buck, because later when I checked the trail, it had walked across the trail 50 yards in front of my stand, and I was just paying attention to something else, unfortunately. You've never done that. Yeah, only, you know, a number of times, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, well, so, you know, I'm part of the, you know, this modern culture. I've got my head buried in my phone, probably, three-quarters of the time I'm out there. But, uh, yeah, on more than one occasion, um, been caught with, uh, you know, indisposed in a sense. And it, I don't I don't think they can actually, they don't really know. But uh, it almost feels like they kind of can tell, like, when's the right moment to, to step out? I, I hope they don't know. I think it's just uh, unfortunate timing is all it is. Well, folks, uh, coming up... Speaking of timing, if you're still looking for holiday gift ideas, Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics has you covered. He's got a few good ideas for you. Author Sue Berg talks about her latest books in the Driftless Mystery Series, and activist Ted Ralsey tells us how we're loving our lakes to death. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. We at Remy Battery Company want to thank all of our customers and friends we have made over the past 90-plus years and your continued support of our local, family-owned company. Stop in and see the expertise of over nine decades of battery knowledge and customer service. Let us take care of the batteries for all of your needs, from power tools to sump pumps and ATVs to hunting decoys, even down to the smallest hearing aids. Big and small, we have them all. Stop in for a free battery and electrical check before you hit the road trails, or waters. Don't forget to ask your sales representatives about volume pricing. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Vortex Optics is American and veteran-owned, and it's located in Barneveld, Wisconsin. They design and manufacture premium optics like rifle scopes, binoculars, rangefinders, and other gear for hunting and other outdoor pursuits. You can find them online at vortexoptics.com. Again this year, Vortex sponsored my Deer Hunt Wisconsin TV special, which aired last month around Wisconsin and in five states altogether, and it's still available on our Deer Hunt Wisconsin YouTube channel. And joining me now from Barneveld, Wisconsin, is Mark Boardman. He's part of the Vortex marketing team. Mark, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on, Dan. It's always a good time, for sure. Yeah, and thanks for sponsoring Deer Hunt, Wisconsin, again this year. 
here in Wisconsin, and, and we're happy to be a part of the show and support it. Well, that's great. And, you know, it is the holiday season. It's no secret that Christmas is about a week away, and there are all kinds of holidays this time of year. Some folks are still shopping, and sometimes it's hard to find gifts for the outdoors enthusiasts. So I thought you might have some ideas to share with us. Absolutely. There's no better gift that's something that you're going to use in the outdoors. And I feel like this time of year in particular, you've got the, the giving season, but you also have that gear assessment season where, you know, the big game seasons are winding down. You've used certain gear. You might want to replace gear. Maybe you lost something and you need to replace it. Maybe you're going to hand something down and get something new for yourself. So it's just a really good time to look at your kit or purchase something for somebody that has a passion uh, in the outdoors and and optics can certainly enhance any outdoor experience. One thing that I feel every hunter needs is a quality set of binoculars. And you really can't go wrong with our Diamondback binocular series. It's a deep lineup of binoculars. You've got a wide swath of configurations that's going to fit the needs of the hunter or observationist in your family. And you really can never go wrong with an 8x42 or a 10x42. Those are kind of the sweet spot in configurations. They're kind of that, that do-all configuration, and, and uh, optically, they just do a fantastic job. What they don't do is kill you in your pocketbook. So you're going to find a, a Diamondback 10x42, for instance, like I said, it's going to do very well optically. They're durable. They carry that lifetime, unconditional, no-fault, transferable warranty. Uh, you'll probably never need it, but you got it if you do. And, you know, like I said, those, those retail for like $230, but they definitely outperform their price point. That's one that I really, really like. And whatever you enjoy in the outdoors, a good set of binoculars is definitely going to enhance that experience. I couldn't agree more. And I have that very set of binoculars you're talking about. I have the 8 by 42 and I carried them during deer season this year. And what I like besides the binoculars themselves and the quality of your optics is that glass pack harness that you have that you pop the glasses out and you can use them to, you know, check out a deer or look across a, a valley and then pop them back in that case and, and cover it. And you don't have to worry about dropping it. You don't have to worry about getting fog or snow or rain on it. It's a great system. Yeah, it comes with that glass pack harness. It's kind of a, I call it a four-point harness that supports the optics incredibly well, alleviates neck strain that you might get from traditional neck strap. They keep the binoculars protected. It's a high-value piece for sure, and, and like you said, it comes right with it. The perfect pairing, that's for sure. Yeah, well, now for folks who already have binoculars, such as I, I've got my uh, 8x42s, what other gift ideas do you have? If you don't have a rangefinder or you lost your rangefinder, I feel like when it comes to optics, the rangefinder is the most often lost piece of optical kit. Generally, when you have it out, it's the heat of the moment, and then you have to move or something like that, so that can happen. But the Crossfire 1400 rangefinder, again, it hits that price point. I think at retail, you know, street price, you're going to find that for about $199. Max reflective range to 1,400 yards. Optically, they do a really great job. It's got an illuminated reticle, multiple range-finding modes. So you're going to have your normal mode, which is probably what you're going to want to leave it in most of the time. Then you have a first mode and a last mode that you can engage, you know, depending on conditions, whether you have objects in the foreground that you might want to uh, range past, or maybe you want to make sure that you are hitting that object in the foreground. By and large, I just leave that thing in normal mode. It does a phenomenal job. And... At that price point, it's a high-quality piece of kit, 
again, doesn't kill you in your pocketbook, you don't have an excuse to have a rangefinder anymore. Knowing the distance to buck or bull, whether you're bow hunting or rifle hunting, it really is just so critical for, for executing an accurate and ethical shot. Yep, another good item. I'm sorry to hear that people lose them, but they are handy and, and small in size. They do fit in a pocket, and of course, things can be dropped, things can be set on a rock or a log and left behind. You know, I've, I've left a lot of knives and other things in the woods, but fortunately, never a pair of binoculars or a rangefinder. You don't want to, and maybe it's just me, Dan. Uh, it could be just a me problem. <laughs> I used to joke that uh, when, when a lot of companies started coming out with camouflage items like a, a camouflage knife handle or something like that and, and turkey hunters know this you set it down in the woods and you take 10 steps and then turn around and try to find it and, and i sometimes think that all that camouflage on items that we set down is just to get us to lose them and to buy more i don't know if it is or not my son has a uh i think mora makes it it's a plastic sheath and a nice uh uh, grip handled uh, knife and they're not a sponsor but I love the product I'll mention it and the sheath is blaze orange and we used it to field dress a couple of deer this year and boy you could just poke it down in the snow and you're going to find it because it's right there but uh, but you don't have blaze orange binoculars or range finders do you? We don't yeah but maybe that's exactly what I need Dan <laughs> but I mean you're, you're 100% right when you have those you know accessory pieces of kit the stuff that's likely to get set down Man, I've gone to as much blaze orange knives and things like that. It reduces the propensity of losing them in the field, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, how about one more before we let you go? You got another idea? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've talked about a couple things for looking through, and I always say you got to look good, too. So our apparel team constantly working on, on great pieces of apparel, branded gear from T-shirts to long-sleeve shirts to quarter zips to hoodies. So quarter zip hoodies, flannels, they do a really, really good job. And actually, I'd say our socks, interestingly enough, that's definitely a standout piece. So if, if you need a stocking stuffer, you might want to look in, uh, at some of our stockings, I guess. They're a great sock. It's a merino blend, super comfortable. They fit good, kind of a mid-weight sock. And they're just, they're really, you might think, oh, Vortex, you know, optics, socks. Uh, it right. might not be that that, that initial, like, uh, I guess, the mental connection there, but they are phenomenal, and I think anybody would be super happy with them. Well, neat. Well, listen, that's great because uh, you gave us ideas from the stocking stuffer, and no pen in, pun intended with the, uh, the socks, but stocking stuffer all the way up to a nice uh, affordable still, but, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Some people haven't got that for a holiday gift, but uh, if you do, You've given us a great range, and there are many more items on your website and in your showroom, which is open if people want to visit, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're, we're here in Barnesville, Wisconsin. Uh, we've got a showroom that has, you know, basically anything that we make you can look at or look through in the showroom. You can go outside and look through them and, and you know, with the real-world conditions. We've got a team of experts here to talk you through any questions that you might have. And we certainly welcome anybody to come by and look through our optics and, and get a rundown on them. You know, and, and obviously we covered a couple options here, but, you know, we have a deep line of, lineup of optics, everything from optics, you know, kind of at that entry point, like some of the ones we talked about today, all the way on up to optics that compete at that true top-tier alpha class level of performance from rifle scopes, spawning scopes, binoculars, related accessories. We've got something for everybody. So it just depends on what you're doing, how you're going to use it, and what 
tier of price and quality, you know, fits your budget. Well, Mark, you have a great website, and you sell your products mainly through dealers. Um, where can people find your products? We have an extensive dealer network nationwide and worldwide, everything from your big box stores like Cabela's, Sportsman's Warehouse, Bass Pro, all the way to, uh, you know, your local mom-and-pop store. So I would say if you have, you know, a preferred dealer, I'd say there's a high likelihood that they carry Vortex. If they don't, maybe you could ask them. The person ought to be able to find it somewhere. All right. Well, Mark, thank you so much for those ideas, and I wish you and everybody there at Vortex and everybody, everybody's family there a very happy holiday season. Nope. Happy holidays to everybody out there, and hopefully you get some Vortex this holiday season, and also wish you the best of luck with the rest of your holiday season. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark, and we will talk again soon. Thanks, Dan. Always a pleasure. Take care and have a good one. Thank you. Mark Boardman, he's with the Vortex marketing team, Vortex Optics, and much more. You can find out what they've got to offer at vortexoptics.com. I'm Dan Small, more Outdoors Radio, right after this. Listen to more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. I'm talking now with Sue Berg. She is from Viroqua, Wisconsin. She is a native of the Driftless area, southwestern Wisconsin. And she's the author of a number of books, including the Jim Higgins Driftless Mystery Series. Yes, more mystery books. And they are entitled Driftless Gold, Driftless Treasure, and now a new one, Driftless Deceit. And I understand she's got a fourth one in the works, and we'll ask her about that. Sue, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. Well, you are a prolific writer. Uh, Gosh, you've got three mystery novels and several other books before that. It must be easy for you to write a a mystery story then. You know, I'm kind of new at this. I've only been writing mysteries about five years. I retired from teaching, and then I started writing. And so it's been an interesting thing. Um, When you write mysteries, you're basically problem solving. You have a problem in, in the book, and you have to solve it somehow. That's what I try to do in my stories. Yeah, and why mysteries? I'm a mystery buff. I have uh, since Nancy Drew in the fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've been I've been reading mysteries. I have oh I have a number of favorite authors, and I have all the series at home here on my shelves, and I just keep adding to them. And I I read other things. I try to get out of that genre every once in a while and read some other. I like historical fiction, but I really am a mystery buff. So uh, when you've read mysteries for all, over forty years, <laughs> I guess you can say that maybe you could write one. I don't know. It, I think it helps. I'm sure it did help because you've written a couple of prize winners. You've uh, won the Wisconsin Bookshelf Prize for both of the the first two, uh, Gold and Treasure. That was a good, nice surprise. And then yesterday I just found out that Driftless Treasure was a finalist in the Independent Author Network, and it was a finalist in the mystery category. So that was kind of exciting, too. So it's been a lot of fun. And I've had I've met so many great people through this whole endeavor. I, it's been just, just a great experience. Let's dive into him a little bit. Jim Higgins is the protagonist of this series. Uh, who is Jim? 
Jim Higgins is a lacrosse driftless native. He grew up in Blair and became a policeman. That was his career choice. So he's a pretty seasoned veteran. He's now head of the uh, investigative department at the La Crosse Sheriff's Department, and he has a bunch of younger detectives working with him. So at times he has to deal with some greenhorn issues, but <laughs> but most of the time they're they're pretty good team together, and they work together to solve these mysteries that happen in in the Driftless area. So in book form, this is a little bit like some of the CSI television shows that people are familiar. Well, it is, but I always tell people that if you're looking for a police procedural book. My books are not police procedural, although I do frequently have to look up things about search warrants and different procedures that police do. But it's it's not, for instance, like a John Sanford novel. I, he reported on crime for years, so he's really familiar with all the police stuff and the technicalities. That's not my books. My books deal with human nature, the problem of evil versus good. You know, that it's a pretty straightforward premise of, of each book. It's been a lot of fun, and like I say, it's problem-solving. I come up with what I call a nugget of some kind. Uh, in the first book, it deals with a long-lost tale of missing gold that was hidden in the bluffs above the Mississippi River, and a murdered man is found in a gravel quarry with a gold coin, and that starts the, the mystery in the present day. Sure. So that's the first one. And then the second one deals with treasure that was stolen from the Baghdad National Museum in Baghdad during the Iraq War, which actually happened. Mm -hmm. So that was my nugget for the second book. Mm -hmm. These treasures start appearing in La Crosse, and there's all kinds of mayhem that goes on with that. Right, yeah, mayhem is... Uh, yeah, there's a bombing and some other stuff. So it, it, yeah. it's and a, then the third story, which okay. is um, the latest release, uh, actually is based on a an old crime that happened in Hudson, Wisconsin. It was a double homicide at a funeral home. And I actually have a personal connection to that crime, but anyway, that was that's sort of the skeleton event in book three. And then in, in that book also, Jim has a personal odyssey that he has to go on. He finds out some family secrets that he didn't know about. Right, right. <laughs> now, you have a, a fourth one in the works, uh, you, you mentioned. Yes. Uh, tell, tell us. Yes, my fourth one, Driftless Desperation, will come out in June. That one is very interesting. It actually involves an old unsolved lacrosse crime that was never solved and still isn't to this day. But I use that in my book, and I basically try to solve it in my book. Uh -huh. I just use, like I say, the skeleton from these little nuggets, and that's what I build my story around. Yeah, so you take a real-life happening, or a real-death happening, uh, as it were, and fictionalize that or use that yes, as as yes, a point exactly of departure. Right. Yes. Yeah. I don't always. I mean, all, I'm on my seventh book now. I'm writing my seventh. I don't always use a real crime, but you read something here or there and you remember it and then you take it and you expand it and flesh it out. So yeah. that's what I try to do. So drift, yeah. the Driftless area is the setting, and a lot of our listeners um, are... In this area, I live in the area myself now. I've only been here 10 years, but I'm very familiar with it. And you use the the natural setting here as well. You know, we live in such an incredibly beautiful part of the world. I just love this area. I Actually, when you said I was a native, I'm really not a native. I'm a native Wisconsinite. 
but I grew up uh, up by Menominee, Wisconsin. Uh huh. Okay. And then when I I was a teacher, and so I began teaching in Viroqua uh, almost well. 47 years ago, I guess it was, or 48 years ago. And then I met my husband, who was a native here. And so I, I don't know if you can say I'm a native of the Driftless area after I've lived here almost 50 years. <laughs> but anyway, I've been here a long time, and it is just profoundly beautiful here. We have a unique setting, and I thought, you know, this would be just a great setting for, for a series. And so well, that's where I decided to. Well, sure. And how, how does the natural environment or the landscape work into your books? In several of my books, well, in, first of all, the bluffs in the first one, you know, they're crawling on the bluffs and sure. finding these caves and all this. So caves come in, and, and the, the Driftless region is kind of like a character itself. So I use the river and the creeks and the streams and the, and the bluffs and the caves, and that's all unique to this area. And so it's, it's been a lot of fun. And the, and the wildlife and, you know, fishing and all that stuff comes into it. Jim is a, is a fisherman, so he likes to fish. I was so going to say, yeah, yeah. Jim gets to go fishing, uh, usually when things are settling down a little bit. That's kind of his, yeah. his yeah, way, right. his way to relax. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Uh, the one character, Wade Bennett, figures in both of the first two books, which are the ones I have in my hand. Do you carry characters besides Jim and Wade? through your stories? Yes, I do have a couple characters who reappear in different books. Jamie Alberg is the archaeologist in uh-huh. the first book, and he's the one that tells Jim about the tale of the hidden gold. And he does appear in another book, actually two more books. He comes back. Okay. <laughs> he's kind of Jim's nemesis. He, he, Jim is like, oh, this kid, you know, he drives me crazy. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. he brings him back because he is very knowledgeable, and, and he helps Jim with some of these mysteries that he's trying to solve and then of course the other detectives come back sure they're in every book sure yeah they're a team and they work together now uh, i'm sure people have asked you or said oh i think i recognize somebody there are these characters based on anybody living or dead (laughs) real people they are not i've had people ask me that and they are not they are totally a product of my imagination i guess you'd say i have had people say well i just know that jim higgins was your brother jim and i'm saying he's yeah. nothing like my brother jim yeah yeah <laughs> but anyway uh, no they're they're totally fictionalized characters what kind of response are you getting from people outside the area i think people who live in this area you know would read these books just for the name recognition of certain places, um, you know. Uh, yes, I get a lot of that from the locals, but I have to tell a funny story about the Driftless titles of my books, because all my books are Driftless something. Right. Well, I had a lady from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, who read my first book, and she said, you know, I don't understand this Driftless thing you're talking about. Is that some <laughs> character that's drifting in and out of your story? <laughs> and I said, oh, no, no, no. I said, the Driftless is a geographical region. It's a very unique region in the United States. She knew nothing about it. Uh-huh. So because of that, in my third book, I added a part in the beginning of the book, and it is a section that is a forward on the Driftless region, and it talks about the geography and the characteristics of this region, and so I'm putting that now in all of my books in the front. Yeah, good because idea. people who aren't from this area, they don't understand what you're talking about. Right. It's it's a catchy title, Driftless This, Driftless That, but if you don't yeah. know what the, the reference, I can see how you might be confused about that. Yeah, she was very confused by that, and she's actually the one who suggested, hey, you need to put something in the front that this sure. is actually 
a place. And I said, yeah, that's a great idea. So I did. How many more books in the Jim Higgins series do you think you'll get Well, you know what? In? I don't know, but I'm on, I'm on number seven. Yeah, there are more to come. I'm, I'm about a third of the way through uh, number seven. I'm just like the Energizer Bunny. I just keep it going. So, so number four is already written and at the publisher. And when you say coming out uh, in June, number four isn't it's at the, the publisher yet. I'm still revising and editing, uh, and then it'll go off to the publisher probably in March, and it will be uh, released in June. Got it. Okay. And I do want to mention my the book, the covers on my books are um, all photographs uh, from a local photographer, uh, Phil Addis, who's from La Crosse. Okay. And he does some uh, fantastic work, and so his photos are the covers of my book. So yes, I was and, thrilled to find him. And so. they are very, very uh, distinctive, especially Driftless Gold. I mean, that's obviously a bluff. Uh, on, yes, that's Granddad's bluff. That's yes. Granddad's, yes. Doing this series, I, I set it in Wisconsin. I have a Wisconsin publisher. I have a Wisconsin photographer for the covers. So I'm trying to go local as much as possible, and that's been really a rewarding experience. Well, Sue, we got to let you go, but where can people find your books? You can get my books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, online, and then they are in our locale, uh, at local stores in our locale as well. And you can also get books from me personally, if you want, at bergsue at hotmail.com. I have an author page on Facebook, so you can just simply type in Sue Berg author Facebook, and you should get there very easily. My goodness, seven. I've got a little bit of reading ahead of me then, I think. so. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and, and I hope some of our mystery-loving readers and, uh, and, and Wisconsin landscape-loving readers will check out your books. Thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate the opportunity. You bet. Sue Berg, author of the Driftless series of mysteries, Jim Higgins Mysteries, Driftless Gold, Driftless Treasure, Driftless Deceit, and Driftless Desperation, and three more, she tells us. We can't wait to see them all. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Since our inception, Huntworth has worked relentlessly to incorporate innovative technologies and forward-thinking design into affordable camouflage apparel. Our gear, designed with the disruption camo pattern, utilizes computer-generated graphics featuring a high level of random and abstract visual noise to help you remain undetected in the environment. So whether you need the latest in hunting gear technology or clothing that just simply fits your lifestyle, Huntworth Gear is what you're looking for. HuntworthGear.com. That's HuntworthGear.com. Have more success on the ice with the LiveScope Plus Ice Fishing Bundle LI from Garmin. Drill fewer holes, catch more fish. This portable live sonar bundle comes with the LiveScope Plus system, EchoMap UHD 93SV display, and a lithium battery. All packaged in a case making hole hopping a breeze. LiveScope Plus helps you find more fish with improved resolution, reduced noise, clearer images, and better target separation. Fill your freezer with fillets with help from Garmin. Visit Garmin.com or shop your local Garmin dealer today. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small.
Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. Joining me now from his lakeside home in Oneida County is columnist and writer Ted Ralsey. He's the author of several books, and he writes a regular column, The Lake Where You Live, which runs in the Lakeland Times in uh, the Monaco area and Northwoods River News in Rhinelander. Ted is also active in a number of lake advocacy organizations. His latest book, just published by UW Press, is titled Ripple Effects, How We're Loving Our Lakes to Death. Reviewers have called it the go-to resource for lake dwellers and lake advocates in the upper Midwest. He's got a website as well, thelakeguy.net, and he joins us now from Birch Lake up there in Oneida County. Ted, welcome back, and good to talk to you again. Yeah, Dan, thanks a lot for having me on. You bet. Now, tell us about your lake, first of all, Birch Lake. I'm not familiar with it. Birch Lake is actually right upstream on a little creek from Big Bearskin. More people are probably familiar with that. Birch Lake is about 180 acres. It's got walleyes, smallmouth bass, muskies, panfish. It's a pretty good fishing lake. I actually shouldn't shouldn't say that, should I? <laughs> <laughs> you just did, my friend. Uh, yeah, there's no public launch per se, but there is a bar and resort on, on one end of the lake where... If you stay in one of their cabins, you can put a boat in. Well, that's the case with a number of small lakes up in northern Wisconsin and Minnesota and Michigan as well, but most of our lakes are open to the public and have public access, and people take advantage of them all year long, and pretty soon they'll be ice fishing on a lot of these lakes. Have you got ice fishing there as well? Yeah, I've picked up ice fishing in the last four or five years or so, and uh, actually I rather enjoy it. Good. Well, we hope you get to enjoy a lot of it this winter. Well, well, let's talk about your book. What is the problem? How are we loving our lakes to death? Just by doing what we like to do, living the lifestyles that we like to live. It's Nobody's doing anything irresponsible on purpose. It's just that we keep on developing our lake shores, and often without enough consideration for keeping the shoreline especially natural as much as we can. And as a result, we degrade our scenic values and we allow more runoff of silt and phosphorus and other pollutants into the lake. And we take away a a lot of good wildlife habitat when we overdevelop our shoreline, cut down too many of the trees and other vegetation. There are rules that regulate how much we can remove from the lakeshore, aren't there? That has been weakened by state legislative activity back in 2015. The legislature slipped something into the state budget that basically says there's one single set of minimum lake protection standards for shoreline development statewide, and local governments like counties and townships no longer have the authority to enact more protective shoreline zoning. So as one county supervisor has put it, a lake-rich county like Oneida or Vilas, up here where I live, has no more protection for its lakes than a county with two mud holes and a slough. Wow. Some of your former legislators up there were the ones who actually pushed that through, right? Or who who made that happen? Tom Tiffany and and Adam Jarko. Tom Tiffany is a is a U.S. representative now, and I'm not really sure, sure what Jarko is doing. But there was a push for private property rights. That's kind of what drove the thing. The feeling among the advocates of what Tiffany and Jarko did was that the DNR and the county governments were pushing too much regulation, and they slipped that into the budget under cover of 2 a.m., I guess. 
and it got passed without actually having to go through debate. Pretty unfortunate. Well, has there been any attempt to change that, to go back to the regulations we had? There have been, but uh, unsuccessful. The, the political climate is just not conducive to getting something like that through. Well, how do lake residents up your way feel about that now? People are of two minds. There are people who really want an unfettered uh, right to develop their property, and then there are those of us who are lake advocates, members of lake associations who really would like to educate people to understand what's going on with lake ecosystems and how what we do on the land affects what happens in the water. So those of us who are advocates, what we're left with is right now trying to educate and uh, encourage and recognize people who are doing things in responsible ways. Now, I've spent a fair amount of time on lakes in northern Wisconsin for the last 50 years, actually, and and I know a lot of our listeners have as well. But it seems to me that as I motor around these lakes, as I'm fishing, I see more, first of all, beautiful homes, and and that's fine and, and well and good. But some of them are landscaped and mowed right down to the water's edge, and, and trees have been cut. And that's the kind of habitat destruction you're talking about, right? Right, that is precisely it. And, you know, there are restrictions on, on doing the, the clear-cutting all the way to the to the shoreline. What you're allowed to do these days is have a 35-feet-wide strip of what's called an access and viewing corridor where you're able to cut vegetation all the way down to the water. Otherwise, you're not allowed to cut vegetation back 30 feet from the high-water mark. A lot of us are trying to fight is that, uh, as of now, you can go ahead and clear-cut that access and viewing corridor if you want and it creates uh, some some pretty unsightly problems and some conduits for runoff that really shouldn't be getting into the water. Well, how important is this habitat? I, I suppose it's more important when there's more development on a lake, but one property that might have a wide open lawn down to the water's edge and a view of the lake, how much damage is that doing? One property is not really going to be much of a problem, I guess. The, the problem is, is when a lot of people start doing it. And, you know, I, I like to say that I live on 180.5 acres, and 180 is the lake itself, which I don't own, but I have access to, and 0.5 is my property. So why would I do, do anything on my half acre that would harm the 180? So you're essentially saying view that water shed or that water acreage as an extension of your personal property and and treat it as if it were your own right i think we need to think that way because it's it's in our economic interest even even to think that way because to the extent that we degrade the wildlife habitat and the scenic values and the water quality here in the northwoods we're really degrading the lakes themselves and and the value of the places where we live and we're making our touristy area less attractive to people who want to come to visit if we're degrading the environment. So what can we do as individuals? Uh, I am not a lakefront property owner. What can I do? According to the scientists that I talked to, interviewed for the book, the most important thing is to maintain a natural buffer of native vegetation up from the water's edge, 30, 50 feet, 
and that is going to help prevent the runoff of pollutants and silt and other materials into the water, and it's going to preserve what is the band of vegetation around the shoreline is the richest and most biodiverse wildlife habitat around the lake. So by having a buffer strip, you're preserving that also. Another thing that's important to do is to have your septic system properly maintained. Another is to go easy on the fertilizers and pesticides. We don't use any at all. They can be used if used responsibly, in my opinion. And then plants and fallen wood in the water is important to leave in place because that's really important for fish habitat. Well, any angler knows that. You know, if you're fishing for crappies or bass or muskies, you're going to try to hit the wood along the shorelines for sure. Yeah, the crappies are in the wood. There's been studies done about what happens if you remove what they call coarse woody habitat from the water, and the impacts of a lake where where the wood has been removed are, are pretty severe. So that's what lakefront property owners can do, but what about boaters and people who just occasionally use a lake? I guess that's just a matter of being courteous, being responsible, and especially taking care to inspect your watercraft before you put it in the lake and when you take it out so that you're not moving invasive species from from one lake to another. There's the clean, drain, dry, prevent aquatic hitchhikers. That's been very well publicized. It's the law that we have to inspect our boats when we take them from lake to lake. I take a boat from lake to lake, too, even though I live on one. We have to make sure that we're doing our part to keep those invasive species in check. Absolutely, and I have been, as I'm sure you have, I have been to a number of lakes where there are volunteers at the landings who will check your boat and your trailer before you launch and when you pull out of the lake later. Yeah, that's right, and there are also interesting technologies that can be used when volunteers aren't there. There's one outfit called an eyelid, it's a landing system where you back into the, the lake and you hear a video, that, or excuse me, you hear an audio that tells you what you're supposed to be doing to inspect the boat, and you're actually kind of on candid camera, so that if you don't do the job of inspecting and cleaning your boat, you're likely to be seen and you could get a warning or even a citation. Are those installed on any lakes in Wisconsin? Yeah, there's a number of them in Wisconsin. There's quite a few of them, I think, in Minnesota as well. I've seen them. It's actually pretty neat technology. It's, it's a good reminder for, for people. It's Education is really the best tool that we've got, and those, I think, do a good job of it. The real reason for it isn't to catch and prosecute people. I think the real benefit of it is is the education. Yep, absolutely. You are a member of uh, several lake advocacy organizations. What can you tell us about uh, at least one of those here in Wisconsin or in the upper Midwest? Yeah, the main one that I'm involved in is I've been recently elected president of the United County Lakes and Rivers Association. And our mission is communication, advocacy, and collaboration on behalf of our lakes. And we are doing as much as we can to try and tell people about the importance of being good lake stewards. Wonderful. And there's a website, too. Yeah, oclra.org. Ted, thanks so much for joining us and sharing this information and for sending me a copy of your book. We'll send people to their favorite bookstore or to UW Press where they can get one as well. Thanks a lot, Dan. I appreciate it. You bet. Ted Ralsey is the author of Ripple Effects, How We're Loving Our Lakes to Death. And you can check it out on his website, thelakeguy.net. You can buy it there, or you can go to UW Press website and purchase it there as well. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. 
Have more success on the ice with the LiveScope Plus Ice Fishing Bundle LI from Garmin. Drill fewer holes, catch more fish. This portable live sonar bundle comes with the LiveScope Plus system, EchoMap UHD 93SV display, and a lithium battery. All packaged in a case making hole hopping a breeze. LiveScope Plus helps you find more fish with improved resolution, reduced noise, clearer images, and better target separation. Fill your freezer with fillets with help from Garmin. Visit Garmin.com or shop your local Garmin dealer today. Since our inception, Huntworth has worked relentlessly to incorporate innovative technologies and forward-thinking design into affordable camouflage apparel. Our gear, designed with the disruption camo pattern, utilizes computer-generated graphics featuring a high level of random and abstract visual noise to help you remain undetected in the environment. So whether you need the latest in hunting gear technology or clothing that just simply fits your lifestyle, Huntworth Gear is what you're looking for. HuntworthGear.com. That's HuntworthGear.com. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Jeff Kelm. We're brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend on the web at cedarlakesales.com. Christmas gifts for boaters are in stock. Save on life jackets, flow fast t-shirts, floating pads, and uh, get a free hat with a gift card purchase. Check out their website and Facebook page for details. We're also brought to you by Huntworth Gear, performance camo wear at a price you can afford, huntworthgear.com, and by Ducks Unlimited, the world's leader in wetlands conservation, a proud sponsor of Outdoors Radio and duck hunters everywhere at ducks.org. If our TV show Outdoor Wisconsin is not airing where you live, you can watch past episodes at milwaukeepbs.org and our Deer Hunt Wisconsin show, for the last several years, is archived on the Deer Hunt Wisconsin TV YouTube channel. You can find a link to it on my Facebook page and on the Deer Hunt Wisconsin Facebook page. And uh, this radio show is posted online for your convenience. You can log on to lake-link.com. Scroll down to the bottom. You'll find the Outdoors Radio tab. And uh, you can download this show, take it with you, listen at your leisure. And uh, you can also find Dan on social media. He was talking about his Facebook page. You can find him at Dan Small Outdoors. You can find me and all of the ice fishing and beekeeping and all the other fun stuff that we do here throughout the you know, winter time at Hardwater Jeff. A couple of calendar items quickly. The DNR is reminding folks, if you're going ice fishing during early ice, especially if there's snow on the ice, be extremely careful. Uh, carry a spud bar, uh, wear a flotation jacket or a PFD, and just be cautious. It's not worth getting wet or worse to get out there and get some early ice uh, action. Yeah, every grocery you know, store sells fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, spoken by a true angler. He, yes. Who knows? <laughs> and if you have any tips on the illegal shooting of two cow elk during the recent gun deer season in Jackson County, contact your nearest warden and let them know they're anonymous. The tips don't have to be associated with you at all. And if you, speaking of ice fishing, if you ever catch a mud puppy, uh, take a photo, release it, and contact the DNR. They're trying to figure out how many there are in the state and where they are. Jeff, uh, I've caught one, I think. How about you? Yeah, I've caught uh, a few, Dan. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, off the air. You and I were talking a little bit about this, and I was trying to remember exactly where I was the last time I caught one. And I think it was the Mississippi River, uh, one of the, the backwater channels. Pretty rare. I mean, it's only, I mean I've, I've spent a lot of time on the ice, <laughs> a lot more than your average guy. I've only seen a few of them uh, come through the ice. 
Yeah, and if you don't know what they are, uh, just uh, search for mud puppy and photo. It's a big salamander. They're harmless, uh, but they are um, not real abundant, and the DNR would like to know more about them. So if you catch one, let them know. Our theme music is by Warren Nelson. You can hear more of his tunes at warrennelson.com. I'm Dan Small here with Jeff Kelm. Uh, we will talk to you again on Christmas Eve if you listen to the show on Saturday. And if you don't catch it, happy holidays, everyone. And, Jeff, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds great, Dan. Folks, get outside this weekend and join us again next week for Outdoors Radio.